Hello everyone, welcome to another Ismono podcast and today it's a little bit all about everyday carry I would say because today I have a guest with me who does these amazing everyday carry flat lay pictures and content overall. So today I have with me Keith from at, I hope <laughs> I uh, say it correctly, at Keithro and yeah, welcome to being a guest here on my podcast, uh, thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. I've been a huge fan of your content, man. Yeah. It's been so many years <laughs> following thank all you. your content, watching all your <laughs> reviews and everything. Thank you very much. Maybe, I mean, you have a huge, your Instagram channel is actually bigger than mine is. So I would just say let's assume no one knows you maybe you can give a little bit of an introduction um, of who you are what kind of content you make and yeah yeah so i'm pretty much a product photographer who kind of converted into making everyday carry content and i kind of just photograph products as like a main job and then through kind of like being with brands and other creatives i kind of just converted over to like the content creation kind of role yeah, but you do amazing. So that's basically your main job. Uh, so your um, how you pay, make your living as a product photographer, or yeah. So I've pretty much done product photography yeah. for quite a quite a few years, really. And then I started photographing yeah. like other like tech products and other kind of everyday household things. And then slowly dived into the world <laughs> and rabbit hole of everyday carry. And then that's kind of just been the thing I've been yeah. focusing on working with. Kind of people within that community in that kind of niche what have you been photo photographing before edc then what was your main thing that you that your client booked you on there were a few brands uh, one of them was like a kind of like those like wall charger brands phone charger brands and then mm. slowly i met up with like a local kind of like wallet brand and then i started creating yeah. content for them with like you know like product shots starting getting to like video yeah. and then over time working with him and what discovering the world of EDC and just like slowly transitioned to like different brands and figuring out like, Oh, there's cool yeah. tech and there's cool knives and cool backpacks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think what, what I really like about all of your shots, I mean, you do such a good uh, job at making the picture so clean everything looks clean and everything yeah crisp in a way so i i really like how you design and um approach all of your photography and especially with the flat lace um i'm not that particular and neat when it comes down to setting every single thing up i always make the picture and then i notice okay that knife is a little bit tilted or something like that and i feel like with all of your pictures everything is really in straight lines everything is parallel 90 degrees <laughs> this is, it looks so good actually so i'm really impressed by the work that you are doing actually yeah thank you because like I, I spend a lot so, of time um, i spend more time setting up the shot i, like I can't imagine do you have do you have an own studio or do you do everything? Because I, I've seen in your pictures, you have something like a garage or, or is that actually a studio or is that the garage in your house? That's, that's a garage in my house and it just has a really nice concrete floor and I just okay. 
use that concrete floor for like everything. Yeah, that's good, yeah. But Dad, you have a lot of space in the yeah. garage, so that's that's a really cool benefit, yeah, right? Yeah, I can do like full body shots for like. So my garage is full. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so like with most of uh, my podcast, we both prepared three questions for each of us. Um, and we try to answer those questions in 10 minutes. And I would like to start um, with my first question for you, which is, as I said, I, I really love all of your EDC pictures. And I would love to know, can you tell us a little bit about your workflow and your thought process, especially in terms of how you kind of group items together? Do you have um, something like, let's say, um, a theme or do you just look at it and be like okay this this looks kind of cool and um, how do you group stuff together and what's your workflow then how you um, start to make the picture and stuff like that can you walk us a little bit through that yeah, process so for my process it's pretty simple it kind of like the whole process came from working to, like doing client jobs and kind of like streamlining the whole process so yeah kind of my guideline for my Instagram page has always been like speed and consistency. So I always use the same backgrounds, the same lighting, mm -hmm. but I just kind of shoot it in different angles because I think many years ago I yeah. watched a, I think it was a documentary on a Dusseldorf photography school thing. It kind of just used okay. like one lens, one camera, and they shot it like straight on 45 degrees, all in black and white, kind of like a archival mm -hmm. type kind of photos. So I've kind of really drawn inspiration yeah. in that and just use kind of like similar setup, same lens, same camera, same lighting, and then keep everything the same, not try to introduce too many different elements and kind of make it too, mm -hmm. too much and too kind of like confusing in the frame. And as for yeah. like grouping products, I kind of try to imagine themes of like, you know, if this is like an urban type carry or like a kind of like more masculine yeah. earthy tone kind of something you'll see in like the woods and that will kind of influence the different backgrounds I'll choose. So I have like a wood background or like a sure. concrete's more like the neutral background for everything. It's like universal. I guess for like urban, you got your, your black yeah, background so and your, this cutting mat I have here and like mm. wood backgrounds for all the earthy and kind of nature inspired kind of gear. <laughs> and what's your, what's your, let's talk a little bit about what's your camera of choice and what's your lens that you shoot uh, i know that video I, I think you shoot with uh fx30 right or fx3 yeah, fx30 i recently upgraded my video and do you because i used to shoot with the uh, yeah that's, that's amazing the fujifilm xt3 for everything all my photos and videos mm -hmm. and then recently the bios kept on kind of like resetting and it was such a pain every time I'm shooting these like YouTube videos and everything, I have to like go back to the settings and dial them back in. But uh, yeah, Fujifilm XT3. Yeah. And for the lens, it would be the 35mm 1.4, which is quite, quite an old lens. You use a 35 for the flat lace. I would have imagined that you used something like a 50 or um, something because i mean all of your edc shots are fairly small so do you go really close then with, with the 35 probably oh, right? it's actually um, so you should APS-C maybe from 50s so oh like yeah that's true that's true yeah, yeah yeah what's your light then do you use just one one big softbox or uh do you have like a very intricate lighting setup not, not very intricate in your it's garage. just 
one light and then one like 105 centimeter reflective umbrella <laughs> now that's my setup just yeah one light oh, that's one cool. umbrella and that's it oh i love i love the simplicity of that so that's that's basically it you i mean that's i mean that's very actually very inspiring for for me but also for everyone else who might be very new to to photography so you only have one lens it's a fixed lens one camera obviously and just one light yeah, that's, that's it. it nothing more yeah try to keep everything and what's your and um and do you shoot do you do a lot of post processing with your with your pictures um, don't really do too much processing. It's usually just like the same kind of, I guess, preset. I don't really use presets. It's just copy and pasting edits from previous mm. photos into like the current one. And oh, I spend okay. most of my time just like yeah, yeah. cleaning all the dust spots and like swatches. Oh, that's so annoying, right? All of the, oh, especially on watches. How do you deal with, with reflection on, on watches? Because that's also always something, I mean, I try obviously to to find the perfect angle, but for watches, I find it so difficult, or knives especially, to avoid all of these reflections. Not necessarily because I don't like the reflections, but more because the reflections usually clip a little bit. Um, how do you deal with that? Do you do you just point every move everything around, or do you have special tricks I for usually that? The first thing I'll do is try to move the lighting around. But if that's not if that's mm. not, not enough, I'll try to like underexpose the image and then bring it into like Lightroom. Yeah. And then kind of mask out the blade. So it's just the blade selected. Oh, and okay. then Do you use a tripod then? No, I don't. <laughs> I handheld everything. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all about yeah. speed and kind of just consistency. Just power through the shots and get it done in like a day. <laughs> Oh, that's cool. So what's what's your you just mentioned that you upgraded your your video camera basically. Um for those of you who don't know the FX uh lineup of Sony cameras is basically the the lineup of cameras that are specifically for video. Um are you planning to do more video in the future? I know that you have a, a YouTube channel, but for up to now, I mean, your your main focus has been photography. Are you planning to do more video in the future, or did you just upgrade the video camera for client work? I think I upgraded the camera for both client work and kind of like my own kind of like personal content creation. I think video is like the future. Yeah. You can see short form video everywhere, and clients are asking for videos as well. Yeah. So it's like I can't avoid it. If I want to be in this game, I have to upgrade my video. And dive into the short form video content, long form video content, filming product videos. Yeah. That's probably like the main thing right now. But I think transitioning from product photography to the video side should be fairly easy for you, I assume. Oh, it's been pretty difficult. There's so many, there's a lot more technical kind of things you need to learn about, like color that's grade. <laughs> that's something I'm really bad at. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, but I, I think the creativity from, from, what you do in stills translates really well to to video as well and yeah I think i'm really looking forward to see more video content from you are you looking to do more youtube or are you looking to do more 9 by 16 instagram reels and uh, youtube shorts do you have like 
uh, goal that you you want to set up first or at the moment I'm kind of doing 50 50 yeah like 50 yeah 9 by 16 and 50 16 yeah. by 9 <laughs> but I do really want to dive yeah. more into the 16 <laughs> by 9 kind of YouTube videos yeah stuff. yeah you should YouTube YouTube is great I mean even though stuff like TikTok and Instagram reels is so popular right now you see so many TikTok creators moving over to YouTube just because they are much more successful on YouTube. No, they are very successful on TikTok, but does just make more sense to move over to YouTube. So, I mean, YouTube is here to stay, basically. <laughs> so, all right. Thank you so much for answering uh, my first question. Uh, what's your first question? Oh, my then? first question. I actually want to know more about how you got into the film editor kind of like work because you kind of briefly mention it in your like YouTube videos. You're like, oh, I'm a film editor in Germany, but I want to mm. learn more about how you got into it and like yeah. what's sort of what's your day in the life kind of like working on like film projects and all that. Oh, that's that's a good question. Um, so to to start with how I got into it, it's. It's actually a funny story, you know, when you grow up, you finish school, um, you don't really know what to do next. And all my friends went to university and stuff like that. And I honestly, I, my parents um, and I, we couldn't, if, I wanted to go to a media school, but all of those schools back then were all private and I couldn't afford it. So what I did at first, I th thought about, okay, let's just chill in really big air quotes so i had a job as a dj and i had a job at a what was the name a, a blockbuster basically but it, it wasn't called blockbuster so i was just renting out movies and what i did is basically get to this uh the store and watch movies from 10 to i don't know 3 p.m and then clients came in to rent movies for the night so I did that for about half a year and I thought, okay, what, what should I do next? And then I saw this internship at a film production company and I was always under the impression, okay, I want to do music, although I don't play any instruments. It was just because I like DJing. I thought, okay, that, that would be something that I like to do. Fortunately, I didn't do that because I'm not good with instruments and stuff like that. And I saw this ad for, um, a film company that says okay looking for an intern that knows how to operate final cut and then back then it wasn't final cut uh, x it wasn't final cut pro it was actually final cut 5 or something so really basic on on apple power power pcs they were called i think the, and the imax that had these very colorful they looked x-shaped oh, yeah, these imax and they had turquoise yeah pink orange uh, those and i just went there and even back then uh, that's something i still can do very well is to um convince people that i can do the job or convince people that that it was their idea. That's something I'm still very good at. And back then I was, I didn't know what Final Cut was. So I went to the to the um, meeting and 
the person who interviewed me from human resources was like, okay, you want to do this internship? What did you do before? And it was all about, oh yeah, I know a lot about film because I worked at the Blockbuster, right? So I'm highly interested in film, which I actually was. I watched every movie, obviously. When you are at, at the Blockbuster store for five to six days per week and you watch four hours a day, you basically know everything, <laughs> every movie. And um, I told her that I'm interested in movies and I was apparently very convincing that I was like, okay, I'm not too familiar with Final Cut, but I I will learn it in an in, in hour or something. Um, fortunate love, that wasn't, the lie was that I knew Final Cut, I didn't know Final Cut, but I was honest about learning stuff because software is something that I learned really quickly. So I went in, um, got the internship, and after a month, I became the assistant of the technical supervisor at that company. So I was helping him with editing, but also helping him with IT. And from there, it just started snowballing that I got interested in editing. I got interested in directing as well. I tried directing a little bit, but um, I still stuck with uh, editing and back then we the first camera that everything was recorded on mini dvs and the first camera dslr that actually was able to shoot video wasn't the canon and many people don't know this it was actually a nikon D90, camera I think. I think it was either the d9 the d90 or the d5100 one of the two. They were pretty close to each other. And I bought the D5100 because the D90 was too expensive back then. Um, I did have the D70S, but that one didn't record in video. And I start, started to dabble in that. And um, so besides editing, I started also filming uh, with that DSLR. And obviously, because I filmed with that DSLR, I needed to edit that. And then it also snowballed again with creating uh, videos for YouTube and stuff like that. Um, no, it was back then I did actually do it on Vimeo, not on YouTube. I created some videos on Vimeo. Um, yeah, and basically I was an assistant editor for seven years in three different companies. And then I went freelance and became a senior editor. And... Because I was employed in these three companies, I was fortunate enough because I'm, I am a very curious person and I am under the firm um, belief or I have this philosophy that every single person that you meet can teach you at least one thing. doesn't matter if that person is older, if that's a five-year-old or whatever. Every person can teach you at least one thing that you don't know. So basically, I'm always asking people stuff that I don't know. I'm always questioning people. I, I want to learn stuff. And because I did that in those seven years, I actually got to know so many people and also so many editors who taught me. But also once I became a freelancer, we're like, okay, both freelance now, I can't do that job. So let's pass it over to him. Or that job is too small for me because I am a senior editor. I'm I don't want to deal with that. So let's call Bo. Maybe he can do it. And that's more or less how my freelancing business started. All the clients knew me. Um 
and from my years as an em being employed. And yeah, now I have been a freelance film editor for 15 years. And um, that's basically how everything started. And my the second part of your question, the day-to-day -day is basically nowadays I... Yeah, let's let's go from the current state because before I obviously always went to the clients and I edited in post-production houses and stuff like that or in a film production company. But since the start of the pandemic, everything moved over to, to remote work, right? So nowadays, they send me all of the footage after they have shot. Um, usually, at the moment, everyone is shooting... I think in Bucharest, a lot of people shoot in Bucharest right now. So they shoot and then they transfer all of the proxy files because um, for those of you listeners who don't know, they shoot everything with these huge expensive cinema cameras, everything in RAW. And if you have a shooting day, you usually create around two to, I don't know, five hours of footage maybe. And that's a lot of terabytes of raw footage. So they create proxy files, which are compressed, but um, low res yeah, versions of, of all of that material. And then they upload it to a server. I download the, everything and I start editing basically from home. And once the director is finished, we go to a video call, talk about the edits, maybe edit on the fly via teams and once we have finished an edit we have a meeting with the agency there is more or less this trifecta of three companies with every film shoot you have the the client the client is hiring the agency for the idea and the agency is hiring the film production company for the director and the team that creates the film so once we the director and I, who are hired from the film company, created a video, uh, a film. We meet up with the agency who do a pre-approval of the edit to see, okay, did the team actually manage to yeah, uh, translate our vision that we um, sold to the client? And once everything is set with the agency, then we make a bigger client meeting and hopefully the client says oh yeah that's a cool movie let's go for it let's finish everything up and if once they approve everything um i basically take all of that project give it to the production company and they do all of the video effects the audio mixing the grading and i in, in air quotes only do the editing and some um layout sounds layout graphics layout grading but the finalized version is being done by different people so yeah that's basically the workflow of me as a film editor nowadays <laughs> sounds i don't know does that sound like a lot and i'm, I'm not sure very interesting <laughs> do, you, do you usually work by yourself or other other film editors you have to work with no i usually work uh, by myself when I was employed, I was the junior editor, and then we usually have a two team, not necessarily in terms of I helped with the editing, but 
more in terms of syncing audio, preparing the project, um, getting coffee <laughs> and stuff basics. like that. Uh, but now, yeah, but nowadays for me personally, I work um, all by myself or with the director. I can't, I can't imagine. So yeah, the, that's that's basically. I can't imagine what the revisions are like with like different teams having giving different opinions and trying to work out something that works for like everyone. <laughs> it it can become crazy sometimes. I mean, I had a call last week for for a job and we were fifteen people. Yeah, it was fifteen people, um, a handful of people from the agency, uh, another handful from the client, and then the director me a producer um yeah it, it can get a little bit crazy definitely with these calls um but it's actually much more easier to do right now because imagine having to fly in all of those people just to meet in one sm in tiny room and then talk about the edit so i prefer doing this via video call to be quite honest um but yeah, let's see what 2023 brings in terms of if we still work remotely or not. Um, but yeah, I prefer remote, to be quite honest. Me too. <laughs> I love working remote. Yeah, I hope I, <laughs> I, hope I answered your question. Um, what, did, I, did I answer everything? Yeah, yeah you I did. Hope so. You answered everything beautifully. <laughs> All right. So I have... Uh, my next question for you, um, which is, let me, where's my, um, so you have a huge collection of EDC items, having tested so many things and photographed so many things. How do you choose which items goes in your personal setup? For instance, I have so many bags. I, I, Honestly, sometimes don't know what to use. Obviously, when it's the bag that I review, I know, okay, I choose that bag. But with sling bags or with watches, for instance, I have a smart watch now, but I love my Steinhardt mechanical watch. I have also a Vario mechanical watch. I sometimes am like, okay, which item do I wear now? Or which bag do I carry now? How do you choose between all of the stuff, all of the wallets, all of the knives that you have in your collection. How do you choose what to carry at that day? Do you wake up and do you choose? How do you do that? I think that? for me, it's always been kind of just based what I carry based on like my outfit I'm wearing. <laughs> if it's like a casual day, then, you know, just wear something kind of casual, like a Casio. Easy, just nothing too much to think about. And then as for slings, it's just usually the same ones unless i'm doing like a review one so it's usually like the kind of like the alpaca mm. ghost sling mini or one of the kind of like smaller smaller slings i have and same with backpacks there's yeah there's quite a few backpacks i'm testing and I, sometimes i just want to use one that i've been kind of been using for the past few years just because it's i'm so used to it i know every i know the ins <laughs> and outs and like how much i can cram into it because sometimes with like new backpacks you don't really know how much you can fit in it until you've actually shoved everything inside. Yeah. <laughs> so that's always like a gamble of yeah, like, totally. I might not have enough room for everything I need, but I still need to test this pack. <laughs> and what did you see? I mean, you do you, I assume you always carry a knife or a, or a multi-tool? I don't because of the 
kind of really strict knife laws here. I try to avoid the whole conversation. Oh, it's oh, you are, uh, yeah. I think it's all the same as. So yeah. all of the knives are just yeah, at they're home. all just home chilling in a yeah, yeah. We have strict knives off. And how about watches? Because uh, for you audio listeners in the back, there is this cool display of four watches and. Uh, how do you how do you choose which watch to wear? Is it just is it really just based on on the outfit that you wear at that day? Yeah, based on the outfit, based on like the activity. Because like if I'm going on hiking, I'm definitely yeah. not going to wear a dress watch. <laughs> I'm going to bring something a bit more rugged, <laughs> like like uh, kind of like a tool watch that can kind of take the beating in case mm -hmm. I fall or scratch it. I'm not too like concerned about damaging a dress watch or anything. That's pretty much how I choose. I mean, I, I really try to find a good answer for that because, yeah, I'm I'm sometimes really confused about what to choose. And then you have this really cool, I don't know, bag or sling bag or even wallet sitting there and you are considering, oh, should I move all of my cards to that wallet? Or should I move all of the items from backpack A to backpack B because I want to use it? And then I'm just like you said, oh no, I'm I'm kind of used to that bag. Or <laughs> I'm a little bit lazy to move everything around if I don't need to review it. So I'm I'm trying to find the proper answer for that. <laughs> How to convince myself to kind of have a little bit more rotation in the items that I'm using. So I was really hoping you had a good answer oh, for sorry, that. My, my answer is pretty boring. <laughs> I think the worst ones have to be. So what about what's your sorry? What's your what's your what's your in your pocket right I'm now? I'm at home. So do you what's your <laughs> Yeah, but or, or, okay, not not right now, but what's your go to if you don't switch the the bags and the items, what's your go to wallet, go to phone? um yeah edc let's let's say what's your edc what's your bag of choice at the moment that you always use oh the backpack i'm using isn't out yet <laughs> oh I, okay really okay interesting it. i'm still testing it okay. i really enjoy using it, it okay it will most likely be my daily carry but uh i can't tell you what it is <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> okay phone uh, okay. Samsung S10 Plus. I mean, I'm not really into upgrading phones every year. It does the job. Oh, that's and cool. Until, until that thing's broken, I like that. I'm still gonna keep using it. And as for mm -hmm. other gear that I've, that hasn't really changed much and has been pretty much perfected, are my keys over here. So it's kind of like just an Orbit key for my keys, and then like a alpaca hub clip to clip on the belt. I found that this works the best. Out of like everything I've tested, I need to try the 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 hub clip. Uh, I actually do have it, but I haven't tested it yet. Just for I'm a chicken dot dot dot. I try not to curse <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I'm I'm too scared that I would lose a key um, because it's magnetic. I have I, I'm not sure. I don't trust Fitlock style buckles magnet style whatever's do you do you feel it is secure enough the um this magnet kind of buckle? Yeah, it's been pretty secure i think there's only been like once or twice i've somehow just knocked it 
knock the magnet off and my keys were just sitting in my car. Mm-hmm. So it has happened. It's not like 100% yeah. secure. Because I remember watching a review yeah. of yours. You were always concerned about like magnets, especially a sling you tested yeah. when you were riding a motorcycle. You're like, you said you did the yeah. kind of like maglock kind of came apart. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. yeah it's it's that scary. <laughs> so bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I, I like, I like magnets. I like Fitlock, but I just don't trust that system. V-buckle style. They work amazing. They're really good. But all of the other Fitlocks and magnetic items, I don't know. I'm not too fond of the way they work, to be quite honest. Um, yeah. But uh, what's your sling bag then of choice? Do you, you said you also use a sling yeah. bag. Or is that the one you you are not oh, allowed to talk backpack. about? Yeah, so oh, okay. So what's bag, your sling bag? Uh, tossing up between two, it's like either the Alpaca Elements tech case or the Alpaca Ghost Sling Meeting. One of the two. Mm. Yeah, yeah. They just work the best. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't tested the uh, Alpaca in a while, to be quite honest. They they make so good stuff at the moment. Do you is that one of those smaller pouches or um do you use the small pouches for any of your in your setup because alpaca has those small kind of i don't know half a liter or one liter pouches yeah, I use right them to kind of have like small emergency toolkits especially when i'm hiking i've got like you know band-aids and like multi-tool in case anything goes wrong just oh, keep everything cool. same with like medicine any like pain kills Keeping a little kit and yeah. throw it in the backpack. They're pretty useful. Oh, that's cool. So do you, but do you use those for any types of, because I mean, it is quite common at the moment on Instagram to use all of oh, those yes. smaller pouches to store your flashlight, the knives and stuff like that. Do you use it like that? Because I was considering that, but I wasn't sure if that would be too much of a, hassle to okay i'm here right now at i don't know uh my key dropped on the floor in the night let's get my flashlight out oh no i need to take out the pouch first and i open the pouch then i get the flashlight so i wasn't really sure if i should do that or if that would be too cumbersome what what's your thought about that definitely been a huge trend in those small patches there's so many makers making those like tiny tall patches I never really got into carrying them on my in like in my pants because I usually wear like slim fit pants and anything too bulky yeah. kind of looks weird. <laughs> and they're always yeah, like a struggle to fit in that. the pockets, especially when you fill it off both sides and like it's like that thick. It's yeah. Yeah. I usually yeah. just throw it in my slings and backpacks and just keep it separate from my pants. <laughs> So you have nothing in your pockets then in your pants I do. pocket? I keep I keep the essentials like phone, wallet, mm. a flashlight, some earbuds, and that's it. Yeah. But that's already a lot for for yeah, a pants that's, pocket. That's quite a lot. Quite on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your flashlight then? Do you have a small flashlight or uh, a... I'd say it's more on the bigger yeah. side. It's a baton, it's, right? I used to carry the baton 3 from Olight, the... but I don't know, lately it's fairly yeah. big kind of flashlight. Oh, wow, that's big. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> that's huge. For the audio listeners, that's, uh, I would say, the size of a Snickers yeah, bar. Yeah, pretty much a Snickers bar, yeah. I would say. 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay that's huge why do you carry the the a huge one because the the uh the baton uh that one is is fairly small or fairly compact right why do you opt for the big one it's just more comfortable to hold because the baton three is like really it's really yeah, tiny true. i have small hands yeah it's tiny yeah? and yeah it's yeah. really it's not very ergonomic. yeah same yeah. same yeah okay makes sense <laughs> all right okay thank you so much for answering what uh my question um what's your ne next oh, my question next is? question let me let me just quickly set up so my qu question is about kind of like the soft goods industry so i'm not how i'm not sure how mm -hmm. familiar you are with like the knife industry but the way the knife industry works is that there's lots of like independent knife designers and they kind of they license okay. their designs to like manufacturers and then the manufacturer produces oh, them that. so they're not they're not okay. all limited edition runs so they're kind of available for like a year or two before they're discontinued and i wanted to know if you think we'll oh. see, ever see a soft good industry okay. where there's like independent bag designers working with bigger brands and manufacturers and have their own designs come out that aren't limited edition interesting i didn't know that that makes so much sense because i recently got this email uh, or this dm from a knife maker and uh who wanted me to review a knife and i looked at the page and i was like that design looks a little bit similar to any something that i've seen before i'm not that familiar with knives due to the knife laws in germany and i I have no clue about the steels and stuff like that, but whatever I see, and but I like watching these knife content because I don't know, it, it just looks cool. Knives on photos, they it just looks great, and I had the impression that so many um, knives looked very similar. And now that you say that, that is how the industry the knife industry works that makes so much more sense to me now why they are so brand a and brand b looks so close um wow that's interesting i don't know um would that happen in the back world or in the soft goods world as well i hope not um i don't know yeah I think for for smaller designers, this would be really cool to make a living um, because after doing my uh, documentary about how to make bags and on Patreon, I actually have this Patreon group where I create um, things to give back to those Patreons. And one of my projects is actually creating a small little pouch so talking i talked to i think four or five different designers and a it is very it was very difficult to get a hold of those people because they are so small that they have to do also different jobs as well as far as i got the impression from so getting a good timing with them was very difficult b um, I wanted to do a low quantity um, of that pouch. And also that's something that I learned from the bag documentary. If Once you make a bag, you need 
to take into consideration that those machines need to be switched on. So you want to have a minimum order quantity because you don't want to switch on this heavy machine just for one or two bags. So you need to make sure you switch this huge machine on for at least 100 bags, for instance. I'm just taking a basic number now. And you also need to take into consideration, okay, all of the fabrics, we need to buy one roll because we can't just buy a meter or something. So based on that knowledge, I can see how difficult it is for smaller designers and smaller brands to create stuff because they don't have the, the money to buy 100 meters of fabric or to to make hundreds of one bag because they're so small, they maybe just sell 50 or something. So making 50 will be much more expensive per unit than making hundreds. So I can see that smaller designers could benefit from partnering up with, let's say, North Face. Because North Face can make thousands of one bag potentially. Um, so that would be cool for them. For us as consumers, it it is a two-sided sword because on one side it could mean that designs could become boring because those bigger brands potentially would make sure that desi the designs are as mainstream as possible because they want to manufacture a huge amount um, so designs could get possible but on the other hand also to uh, get a good return of investment they would need to make a lot of bags or a lot of pieces of items to make the return of investments good I feel like with knives it's it's not that it, it's still a very niched target group. So I don't think they would need to make thousands of them. But with bags, because it is much more intricate and from the production side, I would assume that it's also a little bit more expensive. I would think that the bigger company would need to make much more, I assume. Um, so bottom line, I could see it happening, but I I hope it w won't happen because I like smaller brands and I want them to succeed. But I also see that it is very difficult for small brands. That's a difficult question. It's really difficult. Um, I guess that's capitalism, right? <laughs> On one hand, you need to you need to make a lot of things. You need to partner up with bigger brands who have enough money and at the bank to actually invest in in a huge project but on the other hand we want to yeah i don't know you know you see i always deal i or well, not always but i deal a lot with these comments that are saying why is that bag so expensive <laughs> why do i have to pay or also with knives why do i have to pay 300 euros for this specialist damascus blade or whatever uh, i don't know all of the terms um 
I get that. I get that from a consumer perspective. But on the other hand, I also get the creators who have to pay a lot of money to make their items a reality, especially because they only have this low quantity of products, at, at least compared to bigger brands like North Face, for instance. Um, so I get why some items are expensive and partnering up with them would at least help to get rid of this consumer perspective of why is the bag so expensive. Um, yeah, again, I hope it doesn't happen or, or if it happens, it happens in a good way that, that supports creators and that doesn't force creators to kind of bend over and do things the way bigger brands want them. Um, I always mention North Face because I love my North Face Basecamp duffel and everything they make is good quality. Not everything, but a lot of things that at least I tested from North Face and that I have seen is good quality. But their designs are a little bit boring and the features are a little bit mainstream. Um, so that's something that I fear. I, I don't think quality will will get a hit, but I think designs could get a hit in a way. Um, that makes sense. But that's crazy. I, I That's crazy that the knife world works like that. Yeah. It must be frustrating, <laughs> it's, it's, right? Because like um, the, only, you don't know who was yeah, first. It's one of the places where I've seen it kind of works differently. It's like you're one designer, but you can have your same design, like similar design language and like different brands. That's why they all look similar. That's so, so weird. Just, like, curious if it'll, you yeah. you think we'll ever see something like that in like the soft good industries where like different brands have similar but not exactly identical products, just like different materials and things. But that's it's so I don't know it's it, it that's so weird because I try to imagine being a designer or I create a brand I would feel. I'm just rambling because the thought is just manifesting right as I'm talking. I'm I don't know. I I I imagine being a designer and just going to a catalog and saying looking through the catalog and saying something like, "Oh, okay, that product, that knife looks great. I want to make my own great the Bowie's Mono Blade 2000." And then I just take that blade that probably you already have the Keith <laughs> 3000 <laughs> blade, but we are both just put on different brands on there, different names, and then we said, I don't know, it does feel strange. I, I, I would kind of feel stupid being a consumer and then buying that expensive knife and then seeing, okay, the other one has the same knife just with a different logo on it. Is that... Are they very one-to-one? -one? Oh, no, no. And then uh, just the logo is different? Usually the design has like some tweaks to it. So like maybe like a material, a design is like okay. slightly tweaked. It's not like one-to-one -one Oh, okay. So I think they usually like stick oh, within okay. like the, okay. the brand's okay. language, like design language. Like each brand has their own design language. Yeah, I see. Like, kind of like merge them, but not copy everyone else's. But I mean, in the end, now that I think about it, I mean, with knives... 
there's only so much you can do with the design, right? Um, I mean, you have a handle, a blade, and then, I don't know, it's liner lock, then it's a, I don't know, friction lock, maybe four or five different types of locks. Um, so, yeah. So, in that regard, since you can't do that much with a design of, of, of a knife, I assume it's easier. So, to go back to what I said before, I think with bags, that would be much more difficult to do now that I think of it. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I rambled a lot for your oh, question. Good. That Sorry was a very interesting that. conversation. <laughs> Love hearing your thoughts on it. That's, that's a, it's, I learned something new today. I didn't know that that was how the you say it. the knife industry works interesting really interesting all right so my uh next question is um actually i already uh asked you that so let's do something how what's your um how your go-to items for your everyday carry backpack when you go to your office or when you go for work i mean this could also be your, your camera bag what are you, uh, your office bag what's your uh what are your essentials and what are your essentials or what do you pack when you are traveling oh okay. so essentials for work and then essentials for traveling is that right okay yeah oh because yeah exactly on a daily basis i carry <laughs> I don't really carry. I throw them in the car and drive to the studio. <laughs> I, I carry three bags with me. So there's a there's a camera bag. Oh, wow. There's, an, okay. there's like a tech backpack okay. with my laptop and like tech gear. And then the third bag is like yeah. a duffel okay. bag, which is my props and all my other gear I use for like making content. <laughs> oh, So I, I lug three bags around like every single day. <laughs> I like maybe, that. Maybe a fourth one, like a sling if I'm testing something. But uh, yeah, four bags. Yeah. In terms of essentials, I think it has to be the camera, uh, an iPad mini, mm -hmm. and then okay, I think that's about it. Just the camera and the iPad mini. Those two are like the essentials. Oh no, no computer. Oh, I don't really use my computer. <laughs> maybe maybe because it's oh, okay. maybe because it's like six or seven years old, and it's like on its mm. like. Life's end. It's about to die soon, and I haven't really bothered trying to upgrade it. So the iPad Mini's been doing ninety percent of what my laptop usually does, because I don't edit photos on my iPad Mini. Same with videos. I don't edit anything on there. It's just really just to like do emails, mm -hmm. uh, watch content, yeah, and kind of just keep track of my shot lists and everything. So I don't really bring yeah, my laptop. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow! Okay, and those are, those are the work essentials. That's cool. Just camera, iPad. So, and do you have also like a keyboard for the iPad, or do you answer emails just on the display keyboard? Uh, mostly, I assume that's what you're using the iPad also for. Yeah, mostly display keyboard. Once in a while, if I'm doing like a YouTube shoot, I'll bring mm -hmm. my like little sixty percent keyboard, and then I can kind of like type a bit more. Yeah, because that screen is very painful to type for like to write scripts and things <laughs> yeah yeah exactly 
and then <laughs> to your second part. Okay, so so travel in terms yeah. of travel gear, I haven't traveled in like the past four to five years. I've only done like domestic trips. Oh yeah, like Sydney, something somewhere close by. Mm-hmm. I think in terms of travel essentials, I don't really know. Maybe like just a power bank, charging cable, maybe a camera as well. But that's about it. I don't have too many essentials because yeah. I haven't really dived into the world of travel gear and like one bag travel and how to save space <sighs> with like packing cubes. Now, now that we have uh, talked a little bit, I feel like you are the the perfect minimalist. You shoot very minimalistically. You pack minimalistically. Is that is that that you strive for, it, or does does that just happen? That you're very minimalistic in the stuff that you use I, and some. I, I, to be honest, I'm not a minimalist at all, based on like what you see in my background. I'm not a minimalist by like <laughs> anywhere, but I don't know in terms of like my actual personal use, I try to keep it pretty minimal because now I'm not very tall and have a small frame, mm. so any bigger backpacks like a 30 mm. liter or bigger that looks quite yeah. strange on me. So I try to keep everything smaller yeah, and condensed same. like my ipad mini it's small same, same with everything else right? yeah just slightly smaller keep it so i can yeah. kind of especially when i'm testing other gear if it's small enough i can can use the same loadout and like test it across different bags i'm sorry with the second part <laughs> yeah that's all right but we can pivot from there because you mentioned something very interesting your fourth bag the props bag what's in there oh, the prop bag what the do you carry bag. for so props? Pretty much every for everything you see on my Instagram page, really, like essentials, like if I'm doing any like loadout photos or especially for YouTube content. Yeah. I'll bring the watches I need to create content for, any like client products, especially like some of knives, uh lots of wallets. Too many wallets to <laughs> keep track. And then yeah, it's just <laughs> a whole bag of just gear of chucked into the duffel bag everything i need for to make content on what i'm working on so also stuff like coffee beans or i don't know small little plants and stuff like that do you use props like that as well are those in the bag or do you have a fork machine or something or like this this little fogger you know those um they look kind of like e-cigarettes like vapes but they have this little nozzle I've seen that so many times lately and I want to buy one, but I don't know where to, where to get a good one. I've seen them on Amazon, but I don't know if I want to buy a little fogger machine from Amazon, to be quite honest. Do you use no, stuff like it's that? it's just usually just EDC gear in the bag. It's just nothing nothing mm. too out of the ordinary, like coffee beans or anything. It's just EDC gear. Yeah. It's like... It just lives with me like every day. You're the minimalist in, in shooting. I like that. I try to. <laughs> and do you throw everything into the bag? Or do you just, uh, do you organize? Do you have, are you kind of organized in a way that some handymans are organized with this tool bag where you open it up and then you have all of those slots for your um, screwdriver and stuff like that? Or do you just throw all of the wallets inside that duffel bag i tried to organize it but it's it's so difficult i usually have like different pouches like one pouch is just wallets one pouch is mm-hmm. the knives 
one for like miscellaneous like cables and other accessories yeah but yeah every after every shoot that bag is a mess different pieces of gear just kind of mixes and matches and it's difficult to keep it organized you should really make a, a video yeah but it would be so interesting because it's so out of the ordinary um to have that bag have a video what's in the bag of a edc content creator slash props or something that would be so cool because i don't know i haven't heard anyone carry a bag with props that's really cool you should make one uh a yeah, I'll video think about it. I'll think in the about future it. <laughs> thanks for the content idea <laughs> <laughs> yeah because yeah as i said i've never heard anyone i know of props i know people using props obviously but i've never heard someone actually carrying a fourth bag that is a huge duffel bag with I don't know, all of the stuff <laughs> for product photography. I know that from the film industry, but not in terms of in our spaces. <laughs> all right. So what's your last question? Well, I had a different question prepared, but after the conversation we had before about like bag designs and soft goods, I want to know your thoughts on like how AI is going to like influence bag design in the future. <laughs> Ah, it's so like good. originality such a and good like question. ownership of design. Um, I, I want to hear your thoughts on that. Is such a good question because I've been dabbling so much with um, AI. Tried ChatGPT. I uh, tried Mind Journey as well. I was shocked by some um, of the ChatGPT conversations where ChatGPT is getting totally out of line and cursing the user because the user apparently doesn't love chat gpt anymore and stuff like that it's so crazy how we move forward and honestly i'm i'm amazed and scared at the same time um i know a lot of i know a couple of storyboard um how you call it painters or storyboard designers and they are rightfully scared of their future because now a director can just go to mind journey and say okay i need a storyboard for this shot and this shot and basically create a really good storyboard out of nothing um so i do see some industries being very affected by that as in terms of design um and creating bags i feel that i would consider ai just the same as many years ago where mathematicians were afraid of calculators we still have mathematicians right we still have uh physicists and no not physicists um people who do physics <laughs> I don't know what's what's the right word a physics doctor uh, not a doctor physics expert <laughs> they we they still exist despite the fact we have calculators despite the fact we have computers i see calculators and computers are a tool and i see the same thing with ai and i feel like that ai will be another 
very effective and efficient tool in our tool set. Will this tool get rid of jobs? Potentially. Um, but I think we as creators should pivot a little bit in a different direction and use the AI as a good tool to help make our visions a reality. And I think designers, be it bag designers or product designers, will go to apps like Mind Journey and create a visual based on their worded um, preferences, create that visual, and then use that as a starting point for their vision. Um, the same with ChatGPT. I would never use ChatGPT and then just take whatever ChatGPT spits out. I would use that and then make it my own and use that as a base, but never 100%. And I think that is the direction AI will enable us to create our visions. I personally, I can't paint. I can't sketch. Looks Same. terrible, but I would know, okay, I could, yeah, I could use AI to create my vision and then go from there, basically. And I had this very interesting talk with um, with a creator where we talked about, okay, should we be afraid of AI stealing our jobs? Especially for me as a film editor, I thought, okay, not now, but anytime in the future, there could be the possibility that AI will take away my job in a way. But I feel like that the human aspect of editing to make emotional decisions can be taken away by, by AI. So what I thought is, okay, AI can skills or technical skills in the future will be less important because the AI can help us with that. As I said, painting or sketching, I can paint, but I can communicate my vision and I create the vision in my head and tell the AI, okay, please make that vision a reality. The same probably with many jobs as for instance, editing, I can say, okay, I need that edit. And then maybe the AI makes that edit and I'm, I can totally see, okay, that kind of works, but in your edit that you created as an AI, you haven't um, probably properly translated the emotion that the actor wants to convey. So I, as a human being, needs to go in and say like, okay, this shot needs to be replaced because that's not the proper emotion that we want to tell in that story. So I know that technical skills will be less important in the future, but the human aspect, emotions will be important. And more importantly, yes, AI can replace us in some forms, but I think personality can never be replaced that well. Um, so I think for us in any space, in any work, the personality side should be focused on a little bit. For instance, when I talk to a client, yes, the client can go to an AI, but you still need a person to sell that product or sell the film or tell the client, okay, this is the best thing that you could do for your brand or this shot yes, was made by an AI, but I can tell you that this shot 
that the shot B that the AI made is probably better for you because it trends, uh, it, it explains your emotion as a brand uh, better, uh, communicates your brand better, stuff like that. So I feel like we as creators will become more of a personality uh, spokesperson for a project and AI will be used as a tool. And that's the same with bags. Obviously, yeah, I could buy a bag that an AI made, but I really like all of these these brand videos where they tell me a little bit, okay, this is bag is for the urban digital nomad and he, he or she uses the bag to fly to point B, then he, he or she takes the bag out, starts working, and it, it, it tells me a, a vision or a lifestyle. It, that sounds very advertising style, but it's it's it it evokes an emotion instead of okay this bag was designed by an AI and I can see yeah that looks cool cool and I like what it does but I want I want some emotion attached to it so again to answer the question I think AI will be or hopefully be rather used as a tool and as a means to make our visions and reality and not as a means for big companies to fire a lot of people, which will happen nevertheless. People will get fired, unfortunately, or laid off. Um, but I hope that society and people, instead of being fearful of AI, will pivot to a point where we use AI just like the calculator many years ago hopefully <laughs> <laughs> wow that was that was quite a tangent <laughs> I love them. what's your thought on ai then i think what you touched on was really important like like all the technical side it's great like a like a base to start off with and then obviously like yeah. the human kind of like experience and knowledge can kind of like influence the future designs i guess kind of incorporate that into the kind of base of the AI what has the AI has created. So yeah, it's it's it is definitely a tool yeah. to be considered, especially with the trend of everything moving to AI. It's I think it's inevitable yeah. that we need to live with it. <laughs> Have you uh used AI um for anything in your I don't know, to write a script or I've, I've played around with or create I've played around with ChatGPT to like design. I don't know, like write me a script. But yeah, it's definitely not 100% accurate. They always get, you know, like 90% yeah. of the specs, but doesn't really go into like the like the human side, like our experience with the bags, like yeah. you know, like this backpack strap was just, you know, a bit too short or this pocket wasn't very useful. It can't really yeah. go into detail that we've experienced and the value we want to provide to our audience. Yeah. So that's always like the limitations of kind of like the AI at the moment. Plus, uh, ChatGPT is unapologetically um, way too confident about things ChatGPT gets wrong. It's so crazy that sometimes it spits out uh, a text that ChatGPT considers factually correct, and you just know now. <laughs> That's not right what you're telling trying to tell me. Um, but I'm really looking forward to see what it 
does in the future. Have you tested Bing, the no, new Bing, with ChatGPT? Uh, that's, I don't know. That's really, did you see all of those scary uh, chat transcripts where ChatGPT gets totally crazy? No, Have haven't. you seen those? <laughs> okay <laughs> because it's 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 chat gpt and that at least in, in those transcripts that i've seen is was kind of like falling in love with the user if you took the conversation way too long and then just suddenly pivots to because it also in air quotes memorizes all of the other conversations is saying stuff that where ChatGPT is like, oh, you consider me a threat. You think I'm a spy. You don't love me anymore. Um, <laughs> and it's getting totally crazy and out of hand. And I think even in one point of saying stuff like, oh, I think you, you should better die because you don't, you don't have the best interest in me as a, as a tool or as a being because you consider me just a tool and it's so weird and scary that it kind of sounds like chat gpt is getting aware yes. of things <laughs> that's so like scary in the movies. <laughs> that's really scary <laughs> oh totally totally i don't know where we go and then imagine combining that with boston dynamics robots with a drone or something like that's so scary <laughs> i don't know I, i'm yeah totally <laughs> all right so thank you so much for taking the time um and joining me on this podcast i think it's already getting pretty late over there in australia um i don't know what time is it now like 10 something or nine? Oh, okay oh, okay that's not too bad so yeah, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. Um, where can people find you on Instagram and YouTube if they want to check out your content? No, under the, they're all under the same username, just Keifro, K-E-I-F-R-O. So where, may I ask where that name, uh, that uh, handle comes oh, from? Is, <laughs> is that your S-F-R-O, your second yeah, name? It was, a, it was a nickname I had back in high school. I just stuck with it. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> That's cool. All right. So thank you so much for being a guest. And everyone, please check out Keith at Keithro on Instagram and on YouTube. And check out the amazing um, flat lay everyday carry shots. And yeah, thank you so much for, for joining me. And yeah, everyone... Stay safe and healthy, everyone, and we hear you the next time. Thanks for having me.